This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. The extreme misuse of everyday items. One guy wrote, I caught my, a friend of mine rubbing one of the antibacterial hand wipes from KFC all over his friend's chicken because the little packet said a hint of lemon. And he thought the wipe, he thought the wipe was meant for flavoring the chicken. Another one, I used the microwave to dry my clothes. There were flames, obviously. <laughs> Have you ever used something that it wasn't intended for? Or have you ever tried to use something, but your method was far from proper? Well, Pastor Eddie will explain today that we have a right purpose, and it's important that we follow the instructions of the one that created us. God can do beautiful things when we submit to His plan and humbly surrender to His well-trained hands. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as he continues his message, A Life-Pleasing God. those of us who accepted Christ as Lord and personal Savior unto salvation, salvation is repentance, knowing you're a sinner, knowing you sin against God, you confess your sins to the Lord, and you accept the Lord. Repentance means turn around. When that happened, when you gave your life to the Lord, it was a step of faith. It was by faith, not by works. We say by faith, right? Not by works, lest any man should boast. But from that step, after that step of faith, when you gave your life to the Lord, from there on, it's not long, no longer a step. From there on, it's a walk. That's why you see the word walk all the time in the New Testament. And those that he's talking about to walk is always referring to Christians, not to non-believers. Christians. Because you took that step of faith, you accepted Christ as Lord and personal Savior, you're born again, now it's a walk. And that's why the word is constantly used as walk, walk. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Second thing we need to do is to please God. To please God. The ultimate purpose of living as a Christian is to follow Christ. It's not to please oneself. It's not to please man. If we do something for man out of service, out of, out of love, out of kindness, when we serve one another, what we do? We serve the Lord. But it is to please God. Romans chapter 8, verse 8. So then, those who are in the flesh, those who are not saved, cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. The Holy Spirit came in us. It came into our heart. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, if God's spirit dwells in you, then you need to obey the spirit. That's what the Bible said, walk in the, walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. So you won't... Fulfill the lust of the flesh, right? Why do you always fulfill the lust of the flesh? Why do we always sin? Why do we always blood? Because you're not walking in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. You just need to obey the Spirit. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Very simple. 
Not everybody say, oh, we're all children of God. Are you every human being? No, you're not. You're God's creation from the rib of Adam. But you're a believer in Jesus Christ through the rib of Christ at the cross when the Roman soldiers uh, took a spear and, and hit the side of Jesus and blood and water came out. You're born again. Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. He says, we then, who are strong, ought to bear with the scrupulous of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it was written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. You know, we're always drawn to thinking of self. We're so selfish. It's always about me, myself, and I. And let me tell you, that's sometimes my prayer. I say most of the time is my prayer. Lord, save me from myself. It's a battle that you would, it would continue. It would only end when you stand in the presence of God. Because again, don't think you have attained anything. It's always going to happen. There's always going to be a battle with the flesh. And so we're constantly pleasing the flesh, and we forget the fact that it's not all about me, myself, and I, but it is about God. And I'm not telling you that from a religious, which I'm not religious, a biblical or spiritual perspective, because the reality is that you were created not for yourself. But we live a life as if we were created for me, myself, and I, and everything in the world was meant for me. It's not, that's not the case. We were created for God by God, to please God. That is the reason why you exist. I had many people in my, my previous job that would say, hey, why did God create people? Because he loved people. He created people for his pleasure. Very simple. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, it says, you, O Lord, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you created all things, and by you will they exist and were created. Everything was created by God, and they exist because of God. And why did God create it for himself? He didn't create Eddie so Eddie could do what he wants. Do the best you can in this life, Eddie. You know you were born this day, and you know you're going to die. So between, you know, your birthday and your day of death, do the best you can. Live the life that you can. Please yourself. Do whatever you want. Now, by God's grace, you know, he, he takes care. He blesses us, and he wants us to excel. He wants us to, to do well. But ultimately, he didn't create us for that. He created us for himself. And I think if we have that in perspective, listen, I am created not for myself. I was created for God to please God. I need to walk and please him. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Everything we do is for him. Your entire being... Your mind, body, and soul was fearfully and wonderfully created by God and for God. We exist to please God. You know, when we think about you living your life any other way, when I think about my life living any other way, I just find it impossible. Some people say, hey, never say you'll leave the Lord. I could say I'll never leave the Lord because I already know, and the more I read and the more I stay closer, the more I realize there is nothing else. And that's what I was, wasn't meant for. Now, we all fall. It's possible. Pastor Eddie can fall because I'm not fallible. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not without sin. I'm not exempt. I preach up here. I'm like you. I'm not better than you. I grow with you. We learn together. We pray for each other. As I pray for you, I know you pray for me. 
I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not exempt for anything. But I know that I was meant to live for God. Everything I do is for the Lord. And that's not for just Pastor Eddie. That's for each and every one of us. That's for every, belie- that's for every believer and every unbeliever. Even the people out there in the streets. I was in the emergency not too long ago, and it broke my wife and I heart when we saw this woman who was addicted. She was high on drugs and just bouncing all over the place. And it's so sad that this woman was a daughter. This woman was a sister. This, daughter, this woman was probably a wife. And that's how the enemy got her. If only she knew she was meant to glorify God. Your life was meant to glorify God. And when, now that I, when you think about it, you look at it, now what was I living my life for? By God's grace, he allowed you to, to be where you are right now. Probably are doing well. You're probably happy with your life. You know, there might be some trouble here and there, and that's what life is all. But you're happy, but you were never meant to live for you. You were meant to live for God. Have you ever used something that wasn't meant for something? Like, let's say, have you ever used a, a knife instead of a screwdriver? I've done it many times. You have to improvise. Have you ever used a shoe instead of a hammer? You know, to nail something. In the same way, I think somehow we all experience that. We have observed that. We analyze how we use things that weren't meant for something. I've looked at some things that were really weird because I was curious. And there was this website where some people gave some of the weirdest things. And I'm going to read a few of them for you. It says, some of the extreme misuse of everyday items. One guy wrote, I caught my, a friend of mine rubbing one of the antibacterial hand wipes from KFC all over his friend's chicken because the little package said a hint of lemon. And he thought the wipe, he thought the wipe was meant for flavoring the chicken. Another one, I used the microwave to dry my clothes. There were flames, obviously. Another one said, my kid decided to make a grilled cheese sandwich with the iron on the couch. He burned a nice iron-shaped hole in the couch. Another one said, my neighbor, who lives two doors from me, she often vacuums the grass after she mowed. And the last one, I'll leave you this one. My dad's old, old boss asked a dishwasher at work to wash his car. One hour later, the boss goes to look at his brand new BMW, and the guy was using a Brillo soap pad to clean the car. That hurts. <laughs> he was a dishwasher. He used what he knew, right? But you see how weird these things are and how funny? I wonder if the angels in heaven say, Lord, did they know why you were created? I tell you this. If you live a life pleasing God and walking for God, your life would serve its purpose. Jesus says, seek ye the kingdom first and his righteousness and some of the things would be added to you, right? He didn't say some. He said all things would be added to you. We were created out of the image of God. We weren't created for ourselves. We weren't created for the world. And that's why, parents, when you raise your children, you don't raise your children for their success. You don't raise their ch- your children for you to do what you weren't, what you failed and what you wanted to be. That's usually the case. You're not raising the children for the world. And though the world and even this country at this point wants to raise your child, no, you raise it for God. That's why when they come and they want to present the child, we don't baptize children. That's not biblical. 
you know, we baptized or accepted Jesus Christ. And we present the children. It's not so much to say I'm giving the baby to God as the God's going to, you know, yeah, he's going to bless the baby. The baby, anything happens to the baby is going to heaven. They haven't reached the age of accountability. To present the child is for the parents to say, Lord, I'm raising this child for you. We always look at the baby. Yeah, so cute. No, that's all about the parents making a commitment. Lord, you gave me a child. I'm presenting the child to you. I'm going to raise them up in the ways they will never depart. I'm going to raise them up to glorify you, not the world. And so it's all about God. We were created for him and by him. And what happens is when you live your life your way, do what you want to do, right? What happens? It leads to death. So Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man. He's going to do what's right for himself, not for everybody. But the end is the way of death. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. When we came to the Lord, we've been crucified with him. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's what I live for Christ. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Right? Die is gain. Hey, if you live in Christ, die is gain. That's a promotion. Now, there are many things that we can do to walk and please God. And again, serving one another because we're to serve one another. The Lord served. Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, it says, the Lord, Jesus says, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. Loving one another, encouraging one another, praying one another, and being with one another. That is a way that we walk that glorifies God because you're doing it unto the Lord. If you do it for yourself, you're going to pick who you want to help, don't you, right? You're going to pick who you want to avoid, and I don't want to help that guy. But if you realize, hey, it's for the Lord, I'm going to help him. Because I'm going to love him, and I'm going to help him just for the Lord. Let's look at verse 3. It says, for this is the will of God. This is the will of God, verse 3. And one of the most common questions that Christians always ask, how do I know what is God's will for my life? Pretty sure you probably say, amen. I want to know what's the will of God for my life. And so some people, they, they go to seminaries and they go to attend seminars and, and read books just to find out what is, it, what is God's will for their life. Usually what lies behind the interest is a desire to have God actually make our choices for us. Or the will of God is, is really, I want to seek with God's will and it becomes fleshly and it becomes selfish and it has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with God. So what is God's will for my life? I don't know about you, but I want to be in the will of God. I want to be in the will of God because it's scary and dangerous to be out of the will of God. How many times we blew it? And you say, Lord, uh, and you put yourself into it, right? What's your will? What is your will? Pleasing God is doing the will of God. So what is the will of God for your life? Let's re- continue to read verse 3. It's going to tell you. Verse 3, but this is the will of God, your sanctification. Wait a minute. Does that have anything to do with being successful, being rich, being a pastor, archbishop? No, sanctification. <laughs> Sanctification, this is the will of God, sanctification. Now, the word sanctification in Greek is hagiamos, uh, is from the root word holy, but it means to sanctify, to set apart for divine use. 
Sanctification, your life should be sanctified for divine use. As you walk and you please God, the will of God is that you sanctify your life. Set apart to be holy. Now, in one sense, there is a a, a positional sanctification. Positional sanctification. What does that mean? That means positionally we have been sanctified, we are made perfect, and we are made complete the moment, the very moment you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14 says, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. One sacrifice, one sacrifice. the Old Testament, they would sacrifice animal every year for atonement of their sins. Jesus sacrificed on the cross is the only sacrifice we need. But it's being perfected, we're being sanctified. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. So when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you have been sanctified positionally because of Christ. That's the one sense. However, the other sense is the practical sanctification. The practical sanctification. We love the positional. Oh, I'm perfect. I'm complete. I'm holy because God is holy and he made me holy. He made me perfect. Don't you think I'm perfect? And it's enough about me talking about me. How about you talking about me? The perfect. So the Bible says I'm perfect. Positioning, we love that, but we don't like the practical. The practical sanctification is this, that every believer in Christ must sanctify ourselves, and we are to do that by separating ourselves from all forms of sin. Every day, we're battling temptation, sin, and that is the practice. We ought to live in a way, and how do we do that? The practical sanctification, we've been positionally sanctified through Christ, But the practical is now you live your life. You walk and you please God. And that's the will of God that you sanctify your life so you could be used for his glory. Very simple. So we ought to avoid all forms of sin. Now, if you want to please God, you want to walk with God, and you want to do the will of God, you want to sanctify your life, avoid the sins. There are many sins, however, there was one that God takes serious. There is a sin that God takes seriously. Not the, you know, people say the ultimate sin. There's no such thing as an ultimate sin. The ultimate sin is blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And what does that mean? It's just rejecting Jesus. That is the ultimate sin. You can't be forgiven. Because how are you forgiven of your sin? Accepting Jesus Christ. How are your sins forgiven? Accepting Jesus Christ. But if a person rejects Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, that is the ultimate sin. Why? Because their sins are not forgiven. Murder is forgiven. Adultery is forgiven. Divorce is forgiven. There is not a single sin that cannot be forgiven but the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That is it. But out of all those sins, there is a sin that's really been dominant throughout history. It's in the history of man. And this is a sin that God takes seriously. Let us read to the end of verse 3, but let's read verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from what? Sexual immorality. Abstain from sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is one word in the Greek. Is the Greek word pornonia, from which we get the word pornography. 
And yes, that's a sin. It means fornication. It actually means any kind of sexual activity or conduct, whether it's mental, personal, or with others, outside a bounds of holy matrimony between one male and one female, but today I am adding one biological male and one biological female. Anything outside of that is sexual immorality. Very simple. The Thessalonians were living in a time, they were living in the providence of Rome, and sexual immorality was rampant. There was a church, uh, Diana, where they actually uh, would have a temple for sexual activity, and they would have prostitutes from the temple where they would go out. So sexual activity is not different from today. A book written by Edward Gibbs, the book is titled The History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. And you know, the Roman Empire was doing very well for the first 500 years. The first 500 years, if you divorce, was considered illegal. Divorce was considered illegal. However, when they lifted that, Guess what? The decline and the fall of Rome. Anything goes. Anything goes. What destroyed Rome was an inside job. Anything that was uh, immoral, they went for. Sad to say, that's how America is. Anything goes. We're being, America is not being, we're not, it's not so much we have enemies outside, we have enemies inside. They want to destroy the family. They want to destroy your children in the schools. Even before they're born, they want to kill and destroy the children. They want to redefine marriage. If they go, the family goes, the whole nation will go. Praise God for those who believe in God and do not compromise. It's not a political view. No, it's a biblical view. It's to be biblically correct and they're not politically correct. It's fornication. It destroys from the inside. But it's not only outside of the church, by the way. It's inside the church. It's inside the church. Christians are being like the world, not any different. They're living with someone, a spouse, not a spouse. They're living with someone who they're not married to. But it's okay because the world says okay. Rome says okay. The world says, okay, it's natural. Uh, my parents weren't married, so it's okay. This is the culture now. I'm sorry that the Bible says it, but you know, the Bible's outdated. God still calls it a sin. It's still sexual immorality. And because the Bible calls it a sin, I call it a sin. Living with someone having sex outside of marriage is sexual immorality in the eyes of God. One cannot please God. One cannot do the will of God in, in in sanctification, if you're going to continue to practice sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, Paul writes, I'm Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of 1 Thessalonians with us here on Running the Race. There's much more to learn from this New Testament letter, but our time has come to an end for today. Before we go, we'd like to invite you to visit our website to hear more messages from Pastor Eddie. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com. There, you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. 
If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 10 a.m. for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. Find more information at runningtheraceradio.com. If you're in a place of blessing due to this radio ministry, and you'd like to know how you could partner with us, we'd gladly accept your support. Here's Jessica to tell you more. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what share will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll join us again next time, right here on Running the Race.